0: Hello and welcome to another Anesthesia Compass podcast. My guest this week is a consultant anaesthetist from Kano in Nigeria. His full name doctor El Al-Hassan Dati Mohammed, but all his friends know him as Dr. Dati. He's a consultant anaesthetist at the Aminu Kano Hospital, that's a university teaching hospital in Kano a city in northern Nigeria with a population greater than 10 million. Part of Nigeria's enormous population, now approaching 210 million, which makes it the seventh largest country by population in the world and the largest in Africa. That huge population is served by just 300 specialist anaesthetists. And Dr Dati is one of those. He's one of department of seven anaesthetists in the teaching hospital where he works. He trained in Nigeria and has also worked in Liberia, as he'll be telling us later on. Dr. Dati, welcome to the Anesthesia Compass podcast.
1: Hello, nice to meet you.
0: Well it's lovely to see you and uh, uh, we haven't met before this evening so uh, uh, I'm going to start by asking you a few rather basic questions because I've not been to Nigeria and I don't know a great deal about it and possibly some of our listeners don't know a great deal about it either. So can you start Dr. Dati by telling us uh, where you work and tell us a bit about the place uh, in, in Nigeria where you're, where you're located.
1: Thank you very much. Um... My name is Al Hassan Alhassan Mohammed. I'm a consultant, anesthetist and intensivist working in Kano, Northern Nigeria. I work in a teaching hospital called Aminu Kano Teaching Hospital. Um, it's a multi, it's a 700 bedded hospital, tertiary hospital uh, for multidisciplinary uh, healthcare and um, Kano is one of the most popular Kano state is one of the most populous state in Nigeria currently about 200 million people. Um, I'm basically into obstetric anesthesia and man, anesthetic manpower development because I'm one of the few uh, fellows. Uh, uh, in the Faculty of Anesthesia was African College of Surgeons from this part of the country. So we, uh, tr- um, training has to, be, has to evolve around me in the beginning, so that is wh- what, I, uh, what I do currently.
0: So all your, all your training has been in Nigeria uh, and you have a lot of medical schools, I think. Um, tell us a little bit more about what attracted you to Anesthesia and how you go through training. How how would a new trainee get into anesthesia? How long would their training take? What sort of things would they do?
1: Well, uh, first of all, the medical students are exposed uh, to anesthesia introductory during their undergraduate training ranging from two weeks to four weeks. But in my setting, the medical school, we have four weeks. So that is the period where you try to get them interested in the specialty of anesthesia, but it is not enough. So um, then to get training, formal training to become a physician anesthetist, uh, you have to complete the medical school, obtain your Bachelor of Medicine and Bachelor of Surgery degree uh, you do your one year internship, and then you do a, the, comp- the mandatory National Youth Service Score Scheme one year. Once you are under 30 years at the time you graduate, then you will now get registered with the Medical and Dental Council of Nigeria. And then you obtain your that's when you were given full certi- I mean, uh, certificate to practice. Now to get into anesthesia, you, uh, to become a physician anesthetist, you have two trainings. One that you can stop at the diploma in anesthesia level, which is basically a 12 month rotation uh, in an accredited center for this training. And uh, you complete it as a minimum. And then you have to log in about 400 cases in various specialties, obstetric anesthesia, general surgery, orthopedics, and so on. And then you become eligible to go for the exam, which is held in Ibadan, Nigeria, or Accra in Ghana. That's where there was African College of Surgeons. Now to do a full, that that qualifies you to be a physician anesthetist, which was originally conceived to bridge the gap, they call it middle-level manpower you know, and that's how they started getting the physician anesthetist. But along the line, majority of those who have done the diploma go on to do the fellowship. Now to do the fellowship is about six to seven years. Now I would say it's like seven years. So first of all, you have to write the primaries exam. When you pass the primaries, that's when you begin a rotation junior residency in anesthesia which is three years up to membership level. And the membership now uh, is an exit exam as well. You can exit it with uh, uh, just like MRCP, you know, but then when you proceed, you now have two more years to complete the fellowship. So the primaries, and then at the end of 36 months, then you attend the membership exam. And then you proceed after two years again, extra years. Then you write a dissertation, and then you also which you defend at the exam, and also you undergo oral exam, and that qualifies you to be a fellow. Now the difference between the fellow and the uh, diploma, that the fellow now you are qualified to be employed both as a lecturer at the university, and also be appointable as a consultant, analyst, and as a trainer for the college in your institution. So it entails going into a rotation uh, at different time, ranging from one month, two months, three months into the various aspects of anesthesia, uh, anesthesia for neurosurgery, orthopedics, general surgery, urology, um, ENT procedures, and so on. So it is uh, well defined, There is a curriculum for that so that is what happens so um there are many medical schools now i mean institution health institution tertiary institutions that have been accredited by the college for training so the uh, the training now i mean we are now training more physician anesthetists but it's still not enough
0: well it's it's good news that the numbers are going up but it's yeah. you have quite a long way to go to bridge the gap don't you because uh, Uh, I understand that you have about 300 specialist physician anaesthetists in the country in a country of 200 million people. Um, (laughs) Are there other people who give anaesthesia as well? Do you have nurse anaesthetists in the country?
1: We have a lot of them. Um, Many of them started giving the anaesthetic services in most of these hospitals even the tertiary hospitals that are now training physician anesthetists. So, uh, but gradually their number is dwindling in these centers. And then many of them will now ha- are now working in the secondary health centers. And then you, uh, the irony of it is that you still need more to man the services, because there are many, many hospitals that lack even the nurse anesthetist You've got those um, other workers, I mean, the technicians, what you have to be to give some form of anesthetic ketamine and so on to, uh, to allow procedures to go on.
0: So what uh, training materials and facilities do you use for, uh, to train your doctors? Uh, do, you, do you have good access to libraries and journals and audiovisual materials and things like that? Or is it mostly done uh, as I learned anesthesia by talking to people while doing the job? <laughs>
1: no, I, actually <laughs> the training is, is uh, well organized. I think the, the West African College of Surgeons and also the Sister National Postgraduate Medical College Actually, the training is tailored after the UK training, most of it. We've got a curriculum. We've got the minimum uh, period of rotations. And you have supervision, both from the college and also from the first of all, the institution has to be accredited. To be accredited, there is a minimum standard. I mean, requirements. You, The center will have to have enough uh, mix of the cases done, the volume and the case mix. Because you don't have the case mix, you won't be able to train uh, the physician anesthetist. Now, where you are deficient here, those doctors will have to go to centers where those areas that are missing here, you have to undergo that rotation, that is allowed. So there's always an MOUs allowed uh, by the college. So you get accredited for such training so right from the beginning in fact library is one of the major requirements for accreditation so we've always had library in those days you have books you have you have miller you have uh, this oxford handbook and so on lots of books there but now it's changing into virtual library because we have we used to have the hinari where you can access books all you need to do is to have access to the internet, which mm-hmm. we all have now individually and also as departments. Now, as I speak to you now, during the pandemic, we didn't stop teaching and I was holding tutorials uh, via Zoom every day except Sundays and that has worked. So we are not, so we're trying to even revise that. We I have a subscription and then we always uh, encourage that. So, uh, library is not a problem. We've got e library, we have access to uh, materials shared. Uh, some countries are supporting us, free access, and so on. So, that is not a problem. And then, the other core aspect of the teaching at least every week, there is a clinical presentation by the residents, you know, at different levels. We listen to the presentation of topics, uh, let's say. Uh, principles of obstetric anesthesia or anesthesia for uh, ENT procedures and so on. And then the trainers, the consultants are always around to critique the presentation in in, in its entirety to teach them and then prepare them for exam. Then towards the exam, we always organize extra tutorials where we groom them on how to answer questions uh, case-based discussions and so on. So it is well organized. That is how we train the doctors. And it will interest you to know that the training, we now know what we are doing is, is okay because we've had unfortunately brain drain in the last two years. Most of them to Saudi Arabia. You know, and they found them very good. In fact, they they treat them like angels. They now found out that oh, the training, this is good in spite of all the challenges
0: we're having. So, and the challenges in your own department also uh, involve not a, lot, not a lot of people to do all the work. I think you said you have seven, seven people on the roll, but only five of those are actually in Carnot working at the moment. And I think in, in a 700-bed hospital, many of our listeners will, will compare the numbers in their own department to that and realize that uh, it's it's a very different situation where you are
1: yeah um it's a challenge but uh fortunately for training to be accredited for training you need um, minimum of two consultant anesthetists so for training we don't have problem but we have challenge with having to uh, satisfy the growing number of uh, surgeons and the sociality. In fact, you can measure our progress here in Kanu by the number of specialties in surgery that have taken roots here. Cases that we used to refer to the southern part of the country, now we are doing them for the past five, six, seven years. You know, uh, laparoscopic surgery, neurosurgery, even kidney transplant. Now we want to start even liver transplant in spite of that. The volume of work is increasing, and then we need to train more. Uh, For example, we need to have like, not less than 30 consultants in this hospital looking at the population as we grow. But that is how we grow and and it's the same. You'll find that most of the training institutions in Nigeria, they have similar problems. Now the challenge is becoming um, severe, or oh, it is, uh, the challenge is more now because of the brain drain, yeah. unfortunately, and which is going. Every month, people are leaving and that's because of the inflation. But somehow it has occurred, in 30, I mean, 30 years ago, somehow there will be a balance. There will be a saturation point and then we'll back, we'll do something and then things will be okay. But at the training has increased, both in number and quality and, uh, but then there's population explosion. There are more centers established. There are more surgeons being trained. So the challenge will always be there. We'll never have, we don't know when we'll have enough. All I know that we have to keep training.
0: Now, let me just take you into a slightly different environment for a moment, uh, because obviously you are in a large central population in a large and sophisticated hospital. Um, <clears> but I want to ask just about some of the more rural hospitals or uh, second-level hospitals, uh, places where people are, are needing cesarean sections and, and emergency laparotomies and things like that. Do those hospitals face particular problems of material shortages or infrastructure? I'm thinking of oxygen, electricity, blood transfusion, things like that. Are those, are those things still major problems?
1: Unfortunately, they are still uh, uh, problems even within Kano. Mm-hmm. Now, while training, we have, the training in Kano here of physician anesthetists have really redefined um, surgical care. For example, when I came in, there was nothing like a to counter the hypotension when you give a spinal anesthesia. Now it is everywhere, even in the private hospitals. So, now the nurses are everywhere, but many of these hospitals, they, they rely on ketamine because oxygen is expensive. Uh, where it is available, you don't have the manpower to demand them to use it properly. So they rely on ketamine. Now I see it, the, the, the trend, the change in trend is that like in the teaching hospital here in Kanu, I could not remember the last time I transfused during cesarean section. Whereas the transfusion practice in other centers with even within Kano, once you say, oh, you you have uh, uh, a uh, group and cross match blood for this surgery, you'll find out the anesthesia or the anesthesia provider, let me let me put it that way, we'll have to transfuse, sometimes needless, you know, so the, Equipment is not there, it's inadequate. And then the referrals usually stop at the secondary level of care. Now there is one general hospital, it's called Murtala Mohammed Specialist Hospital within Kano uh, At some point it has the largest number of patients in the entire West African region because of the population of Kanu. Everything used to be free, everything was like UK, but over the years, they suffer from all these inadequate resources uh, and then facilities, but they is still much better than the other um, secondary uh, healthcare uh, facilities. So it's still a challenge, but the hospital and one other hospital now, they are are getting accreditation to train from the colleges. This is uh, under the state government. Like I said, they, our teaching hospital now is forcing the authorities now to change uh, rather because it's not planned, but then they now have to now look at us and change. So many of the, uh, I mean, those that are trained here both in surgery and other speciality, they have to find themselves in this hospital. So things are beginning to change a bit. If there
0: was, one thing that would make your life easier in your hospital that you could
1: change, what, what would it be? <sighs> there, are, there are many of them and they are competing. <laughs> uh, I don't know that this is a very fair question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, I didn't warn well, you about uh, that. One. Maybe we well, can come back uh, to it.
1: Now, let me, let me say this. I would rather go for the human resource. Because when you have the human resource, then every other thing will fall in place. If I ask for, say, equipment, give me anesthetic machine. Who will manage? But you have the human resource, a train. Whether it's a nurse anesthetist well trained or the physician anesthetist, and then you have supervision. Then gradually he will put in this uh, the minimum equipment, the safety, and so on. Everything will be will be there. So I will go for the training and retraining.
0: Well, I'm I'm sorry that question took you a little bit by surprise. It certainly wasn't scripted. It just seemed like a good thing to ask them. And I have to say, I'm 100% in agreement with your answer. I think people are always so much more important. If you you have the right people, they will sort out the equipment. If you don't have the right people, no amount of equipment will do you any good at all. It'll just sit in the cupboard and and go rusty. Um, Let's just go on to something you were telling me about before we started, Uh, and something that uh, encourages me a lot because you have uh, also worked outside Nigeria, in particular in uh, Liberia. Uh, How did you get involved working in Liberia and and what have you been doing there?
1: Well, um, first of all I was in Liberia, the first time I was in Liberia was uh, in 2012 during the annual scientific meeting of the West African College of Surgeons, which is been rotated amongst West African countries. And there was a appeal for assistance from um, neighboring countries to assist Liberia, reestablish training because they just got out of that uh, uh, bloody war and they're just getting back to normal. So I made a mental note of that. I don't know how, but I remember that. Then somehow I found myself back in 2015, July actually, during their independence. I uh, I am a clinical trainer on the universal anesthesia machine, uh, which is designed, I mean, invented by Professor Paul Fenton. We still discuss. We still chat and who worked in African setting for more than two decades. So he understands yep, Africa. I,
0: I know Paul very well, oh, and he's actually been so, on some of the podcasts.
1: <laughs> great. So I I, I am, I am their clinical trainer on that machine. And then two of such machines, one was to be installed at the JFK hospital, and we're there and I trained them, the nurses on how to use it. And then, uh, the CMO then was saying, oh, he felt like closing the borders. I shouldn't get out of this country. I said, no, don't worry. I'm just quite inquisitive. I want to find out what is, you could see when you get to Liberia, you know that you don't have to be told that they need assistance in every aspect to rebuild their system. And you could see that in the help by Louis Kinner. So I said, okay, I'll come back when I get my sabbatical, which I did. And we communicated and then I found myself back in Liberia in January 2017. And uh, it was quite challenging. But the good thing is that something was sold by one of my mentors, Professor uh, Stella Eguma, who did, I could see what she has done. She took up a project, I think, World Bank, I think in 2010, 2000, and 2010, and trained a new set of nurse anesthetists uh, to try to stem the tide of this uh, maternal mortality obstetrics. And then I met more than half of them in, 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 uh, in the hospital. There were 12 of them, but I know more than half of them were trained by Professor Eguma. But then 2010, between 2010 and 2017, there was no supervision. So it's like you are starting, you have the materials that they need retraining, and you need to have physician anesthetist. Now they can't go on like that, and then there's, you could see the growing pressure or demand from the, as usual when training is started anywhere in in low and middle income countries, people forget anesthesia as a part of the surgical package, everything. So they started their training up to membership level. Now they realize that they need. You could see they need anesthesia and they started, you know, uh, complaining. And then there is a demand. So. To solve that problem, I met Dr. Keith Thompson who was there that same year for his annual um, safe obstetric anesthesia he conducts for the nurse anesthetists in Liberia and also Sierra Leone because they all came. And I discussed with him that the one solution is to really try to train. When I was there, there was no physician anesthetists working in the country. No Liberian, they may have experts there, they are not in the country. So I told, we discussed that we need you, we need Liberian doctors training anesthesia to to help in in the situation. And then that's how we started and we have a project now. We've got four doctors. We have two now that have passed the diploma and then we want to push to others up to the fellowship level. So you could see, so I saw an opportunity to actually, uh, I'm sure you remember the Lancet Commission report,
0: mm-hmm.
1: where yes, 5 billion out of uh, the 7 billion people in the world will lack access to affordable surgery that is safe and anesthesia. And the greatest culprit is anesthesia, but it's not our fault. And that is why earlier when you asked me, I said you need to have the human resource files who will put things in place. So, and this is one template that the world, I mean, we can use globally, depending on the region to try to assist these countries that have no anesthetists or have that field and train this human resource who will now supervise the nurse anesthetists which you still need them by the way. And then also the physician anesthetists up to the consultant level Fellowship level, and then where possible, you can start training there. Now, where you can start training, for example, Liberia, there's nothing stop Liberia and Sierra Leone, both English speaking countries, to collaborate and have one college or one training, you know, until they can be on their feet and strong, you know, because you can see when I went there, I realized that I'm in a kind of teaching hospital where I work can actually support whatever training they will have in liberia because the population of kano we are supporting three times the population of liberia just kano state alone so we could do it so a couple of my colleagues are there orthopedic surgeons and so on and then they're looking they are beginning to see the um, the wisdom in this and then they are beginning to embrace it but it's not been easy but this is the way to go to train the manpower. So it's glaring. You will see that anesthetic manpower that is lacking there. And without that, there's no way you can achieve that goal. You cannot have affordable uh, safe uh, and safe surgery without the anesthetists.
0: I was, before we spoke, I was looking through your government's plan for anesthesia and surgery, uh, 2019 to 23. So you're (laughs) nearly halfway through and it, (laughs) <laughs> they, they, they have a, a category called SAO, which I think stands for surgery, anesthesia and obstetrics, the areas yeah. where they, they want to train more, more specialists, and there's some, some way to go there. But they, they I think, have a ratio that they, for every 20 people in SAO, they want four to be specialists anesthetists, um, which is quite a challenge, isn't it? Because it will mean that you need to go from 300 up to about 4,000. Uh, to yeah. achieve the government uh, uh, the government's aim on that, it's, so let's let's hope that the resources are there to help you do that. Um, very interesting to hear what you've been doing with Liberia, and some some of the Liberian doctors have been coming to to Kano to get anesthesia training with you. Is that right?
1: Yeah, um, four were here mm-hmm. uh, September 2018. One couldn't. Um, Continue because he's got some family problems, he lost his mom, and then he couldn't uh, continue. Uh, Three of them went ahead, and they went for the exam, the diploma last last October. They were supposed to have the exam in April, but then the COVID-19 came, and then exam couldn't be conducted. And then two of them passed the diploma. One of them has passed the primaries, so we're trying to support him to continue with the residency with the hope that he will be one of those that will start training in anesthesia in Liberia. So uh, this is being coordinated by uh, WFSA. And then we've seen where, if we can get more support, uh, organizations, uh, governments, and so on, uh, this is possible. You know, so they're still with us and they, they like this place. So uh, this month, two of them are coming back to continue. One has to take the exam again, and then the other one have to continue with this rotation, you know? So that is where we are now. Yeah. And then uh, I think they are planning to send more when they get the funding like that. So the idea is that if we can have two or three uh, resident in Liberia fellows, they can be supported and then they can start the training. They can get an accreditation by West African College of Surgeons which will now integrate with their own librarian, college of physicians and surgeons. And then they start training the manpower and then things will begin to change. This is the path we have followed, even in Kanu. There's no shortcut to that.
0: Dr. Dati, thank you very much for talking to us today. We could go on for a long time, but the the clock has beaten us this evening, Uh, but it's been (laughs) wonderful to to, uh, be able to
1: chat with you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks again for joining us today on the podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, or you'd like to come on the podcast yourself, don't hesitate to get in touch with me. My email is michael.dobson at nda.ox.ac.uk. And for now, until next time, it's goodbye from me. Goodbye.